Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, we're back. Still basking in the Bucks' win. I'm sure all you fans are over the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. But we've got your many mailbag questions. Popular segment during the week. So, Steve Versnick, let's get started. All right, we'll start with Yub Yub, who asked, What's going on with Shaq Barrett? The guy disappears in games. Seems like Joe Tryon can take his place in the lineup. We'd be just fine. Is he satisfied? Or are teams making sure he's not a factor? I think it's the, I think it's the latter. I think when you game plan for the Bucks and you look at their defensive front seven, um, particularly the you know the four down linemen, and he's an outside linebacker. I I, I get that by position, but he's really an edge rusher. Um, and and at this time, you know, if you just take a snapshot of of where they're at. Um, you know, there's no Vita Vea. Um, that certainly helps because now you don't need to occupy, um, you know, Raquez, Nunez, Roaches with two blockers. I mean, you can try to block him one-on-one. Um, so you can slide protection towards Shaq Barrett wherever he is. And he's, he's switched sides. They've moved him around, tried to do different things with him. I think the fact that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is not 100%, hell, he's probably not even 50%. I mean, I don't know anybody – to be honest with you, at that position, I've, I've covered this league a long time. Don't remember many players, okay, at that position playing with a torn rotator cuff. I mean, it is all about your ability to get off blocks. It's all about your upper body, um, you know, trying to shed that. And, and I just think that, you know, he's obviously in pain. I mean, he says that, you know, that first hit that he takes – in a game is just a reminder of, wow, I'm, I'm playing football. Not just football, but this is the NFL. So he practiced last week to try to get a feel for that contact before it was so shocking on Sunday or, in this case, you know, this week, Monday night. And I think it helped him a little bit. But, you know, he's just it's – bound, it's bound to affect his productivity, and it has. Um, you know, you don't, you don't see as many sacks from, from Jason Pierre-Paul, who's probably averaged about, you know, 10 a year since he's been in the league. So that makes it easier. And, you know, if you're an elite pass rusher in this league, you've got to be prepared, you know, to face double teams. You've got to learn to win against double teams. I mean, that, you know, the greatest pass rushers, you know, ever, you know, you don't think they double team Lawrence Taylor? I mean, you know, that, that's, that's just the way it goes. Reggie White, all those guys. So it, it's part of, you know, recognizing that you're, you're at that level and, and you've got to find a way to counter it. And, Shaq has to keep working. The great thing about Shaq Barrett is he is not he is not happy with the way he's playing. You know, he's a results-driven guy. I mean, when you have 19 and a half sacks in a season and lead the NFL, you've set the bar pretty high for yourself. You're a franchise player. Then you sign a 70-something million-dollar contract. Yeah, they're looking at you saying, hey, man, you know, we need you on top of the quarterback. That doesn't mean he's not affecting the game. Um, that doesn't mean that he's not getting pressures, but – you know, you got to get people on the ground. So as far as Joe Tryon goes, I, I would agree with you. I think he's a spectacular athlete. I would love to see more of him. He's definitely in their future. I don't know that JPP will be back next season. Um, and, you know, I think we will see more of him now that you're, 
you know, you're over the halfway point. He's not a rookie. He doesn't have to guess about the defense. Um, you know, he, he kind of – he's been indoctrinated into the NFL. And, you know, for my money, I, you know, you'd like to know that Shaq Barrett's or, or that JPP is going to be there when you get to the postseason. To do that, I think you probably need to manage his workload a little bit more. And I think we saw a little more Joe Tryon in this last game Monday night. Now, maybe it's just because every time he was out there, the quarterback was, you know, was getting chased by him. That might be why. Um, but the better he plays, um, I think the more you'll see him. They they have packages where they all three of them are rushed. Um, they did that one time when Joe was, you know, rushed from the inside. Um, so, you know, Shaq Barrett is just he, – he's he's a part of the puzzle. He's the biggest piece of the puzzle. He has to get going. We're over the halfway, kind of grinding through the middle of the season right now. And, again, they've gone through this little, you know, two-game losing streak they broke on Monday night. When you're losing and you're trailing in games, and when you're trailing, teams can just hand the ball off, like like Washington did uh, in that 19 play drive, you know, to ice it with an 11 minute uh, drive there, and so that takes away your best rush opportunities. This team needs to get out in front of people um, like they did Monday night, and then you can pin your ears back and 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 go after everybody. So I still think there's a lot of football left. I I try not to judge. You know, well, the guy's got five and a half sacks. We're halfway through. Doesn't look like he'll make it to ten. I've, you know, they tend to come in bunches. I've seen a lot of three sack games by Shaq Barrett. So, I would just say wait until it's all over, and for that matter, wait until January because that's when you need him to play the best. I mean, who can forget the Green Bay game? And I think Vita Vea was a big part of that. But you know, him and Jason Pierre-Paul combined for five sacks of Aaron Rodgers. They lose that game if they're not able to get Aaron Rodgers on the ground five times. So, uh, I'm, I'm, you know. I'm disappointed that, you know, in Shaq's production, I think he's disappointed, but it's just a matter of, you know, he needs more guys to come along with him. And when you see Joe Tryon, when you see other guys winning one-on-one, that's a lot has a lot to do with Shaq Barrett. All right, since you mentioned him, Kyle had asked, do you think Jason Pierre-Paul is a future Hall of Famer? You know, we got this question, and I was kind of looking around and um, trying to get an idea for, you know, sort of – where he would fit because I've, I've been in that room and and I've you know I've watched other guys go in from that position outside linebacker edge rusher whatever you want to call him um typically and this is no you know this this is not a finite number by any means but typically you won't find many pass rush specialists uh, or pass rushers in the NFL in the pro football hall of fame unless unless they get right around or at or or above that 100 sack threshold. Um, you know, JPP came into the league in 2010, um, and he's had he's had 91 and a half sacks this season. Is half we're halfway through this season. Got two and a half this year. Again, because of his injury, I, I don't know that he's going to make it to his you know typical nine and a half, ten sacks a season. He had two years where he was uh, over. Well, let's see. About I think about three years where he was over ten sacks. Two thousand eleven Giants, he was off the chain. He had sixteen and a half. I mean, he was, you know, incredible. Won a Super the Bowl. Fact that, that yeah, they won the Super Bowl, and he was he was one of their best players. Him and Justin Tucker and all those guys. That defense was the real deal. They beat Tom Brady, obviously. The fact that he helped mold. Two Super Bowl teams, and, and you could argue that maybe the Giants don't win the Super Bowl in 2011, 
I definitely don't know if 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 the Bucks win the Super Bowl in 2020. And 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 think about that. That was his second year in the league, and then last season, I mean, you're like ten years down the road, right? Almost. So to have that kind of an impact on a football team with that much elapsed time to still be as productive as he was. And yes, I think you also have to factor in the games he lost because of his injuries. I mean, you know, the man probably should have, most would have uh, left football after he had that fireworks accident in 2015 um, where he only played, you know, uh, a few games. And he came back the next year and uh, had seven sacks and then eight and a half and then 12 and a half for the Bucks after he was traded. So a remarkable warrior-type player, locker room guy, leader, um, all the intangibles you could ever hope for and just a great story uh, to boot. You know, a uh, Haitian kid that, you know, came from a junior college, went to USF, um, you know, just worked his butt off to make himself – one of the best players in the NFL. So my vote, if he can, if he can play, if he can get close to a hundred or around a hundred, I think he's going to get a lot of consideration. It won't be, you won't say Jason Pierre. Here's the thing they want to say in that room is if I say this guy and you have to think about it, he's not a hall of famer. He's one that I still think you have to think about a little bit, but you can, you can make a good case for him. It might, it's not going to be first ballot or anything like that, but I do think that he has hall of fame credentials. All right, Luis said, uh, tweeted us and said, what's up with all these damn penalties? Every play, whether offense or defense, reminds me of the Bolts in 1920 where the focus on too many penalties in turn caused more penalties per John Cooper because they were playing too tight. Yeah, that parallel with hockey kind of lost me there. I don't, I don't. I guess he's talking, is he talking about the year that uh, they won the President's Cup? Or That's, what? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they they did take some bad penalties, and Kucherov got suspended in the playoffs. I think that year and all that. Um, you know, there there's all kinds of penalties, right? I mean, when you just say penalties, you know, the ones that that occur, you know, for example, holding or, um, you know, those those sort of pass interference. You know, the kinds that are sort of subjective. I don't I don't really get too crazy about because I think officiating is is inconsistent in this league I think it's a hard job um what really what really you're talking about are pre-snap and in sort of post-snap penalties um they've had way 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 too many pre-snap penalties I mean the, the offsides you know the false starts you know that game you know I still and I got this one guy that emails me all the time he just kicks the crap out of OJ Howard he can't for whatever reason he must be is he an Auburn fan like what where did this start with this guy, you know? But every day I get an email from this dude, it seems, about O.J. Howard. And, and that, him jumping off sides, uh, they, they were trying to shift, and him jumping off sides on the first play, after we had talked about it for two weeks, right, pre-snap penalties in Washington, might have been the worst thing he's ever done. Um, and I'm sure he's done worse, but it just highlighted that, you know, you can't, you can't win when you beat yourself. And for years, years and years, it wasn't always the talent that got the Bucks. It was the Bucks beating the Bucks, and of course, maybe that is talent. You know, particularly the quarterback position when Jameis Winston is turning the ball over. You know, you turn the ball over, you commit penalties, you lose games. Um, I think it's been said, and I think it's true that the first te- thing teams have to do um, in order to win is is to stop is to find out 
how you lose and, and stop doing that. And, and how you lose in this league is giving teams field possession, um, extra downs, um, more possessions, you know, yards on penalties. That, that's, how you, that's how you lose. You know, more, more games are probably lost in the NFL that are won. It's just that, you know, when you do it against – when you make mistakes like that against a good or average team, they're going to beat you. I mean, you, a lot of teams may not take advantage of them, but, but most teams will. Even the bad ones will to some degree. So I, I just think that, you know, for whatever reason, this team wasn't as dialed in. You know, you win a Super Bowl um, – you think you're good. I, I can't really put my finger on it because they talk about it all the time. Every team talks about it. Usually a lot of penalties happen because you're not as good as the guy in front of you. You know, you're trying to get an advantage. You're grabbing, you're holding if you're a defensive back. Um, you know, if you're an offensive lineman, you're, you're, you know, you're trying to keep the quarterback from getting killed. Uh, so, you're, so you're doing anything you can to stop that pass rusher even though you're overmatched. With this team, it's not talent. It's just focus, you know. Um, and it's it's every guy has to has to take accountability of himself because you know it does just it hurts the team and you don't want to be the guy you got to look in the mirror and all those cliches right I think they did a little bit better job of it Monday night although there were still too many pre snap stuff and you know they they're not going to go very far uh, if this crops back into their game you know after the Chicago game a year ago. I believe this is true. They, you know, from that period on, they were the least penalized team in the NFL. Well, they won a Super Bowl. That's how you win Super Bowls. You don't give the other team, particularly when you get you get into into uh, January, any team that you that you give advantages to like that is going to beat you because they're all good. They've all made the postseason. They're all good. So that that's when that stuff has to be cut out. And I'm anxious to see if they can keep this going. You know, again, it wasn't a totally clean game. Monday night, they they certainly had some penalties they that they uh, uh, they should not have had, but um, it, it, I think it's just focus, and, and I think they you know they can talk about it, but it, it's when your teammates get on you, and and they've had a lot of, I think they've had a lot of meetings and a lot of serious hard discussions about it, and I would not want to be the guy that screws up. I can tell you that. All right, Jared had tweeted, "What's up with Kyle Trask? He's been inactive for weeks." Yeah, well, he's the third quarterback, and that's that's what third quarterback is. He's inactive. You know, you need, um, you know, so many guys, whether it's special teams, uh, backup players. You know, Kyle Trask is typically not going to play in a game. That's the plan. Um, Blaine Gabbard is the backup. Blaine Gabbard's an experienced player that's played a long time in this league, a long time in, in Bruce Arians' system. So, he, you know, he knew when they took him, and every and they said it at the time, including to Kyle, that you know this was this was a decision uh, for the future. This was not about right now. Now, you know, if something God forbid would happen to Brady, and you know, you had Blaine Gabbert go out there and he were to get hurt, they would need him. So he has a role on the team. His job is to help Tom Brady any way he can. Um, and they all have assignments in that quarterback meeting room. The thing about Kyle Trask is this is the road he has traveled his entire career. And one of the one of the decisions they made about drafting him at the end of the second round, which is really like the top of the third if you think about it, um, is that, you know, we don't need him to play right away. And we do want him uh, to, you know, be inactive. And, uh, you know, 
see how game plans are put in, see how corrections are made the next week. And not that Tom Brady is going to sit there and mentor anybody because it's not he don't really he doesn't really perceive that as his job. You know, Tom Brady is worried about being the best quarterback he can be. Um but what better example, you know, that than to have a guy like that who's played 21 seasons and and sees the game the way he sees it, which is not not typical of a lot of quarterbacks, you know. A lot of quarterbacks, you know, they they want to make the big play and and Tom wants to make the big play, but Tom you know, is about winning football games. And there's never been a better winner in football than Tom Brady. And that's because he understands, you know, it's not about him. It's not about how many yards he throws for. It's not about how many touchdowns. Now, don't get me wrong. Prideful guy, loves his numbers, uh, would rather throw a, a touchdown probably than hand it off. But at the end of the day, you know, he measures his value in, in championships. And, you know, I think just that mentality is unique at that position. I think quarterbacks... Yeah, they want to win, um, but they want to be the reason why you win, you know. And if a team's going to sit back and cover two, they're still going to try to force They get bored. I mean, Byron Leftwich, we had this talk one day about Brady. And he says, you know, the great thing about Brady is is that he's not a, he doesn't care. Like, he, you know, most of us are like, yeah, cover two, hand it off. Oh, I'm just bored. You know what? I want to throw it in there. Let me see if I can fit this one in there. Because he just, you know, they they want to be a part of the action. And, Sometimes the defense just tells you, you know, to take what's available, and that's how you win games. You know, you possess the ball, you move the ball down the field, you're, you're playing complimentary, you're keeping your defense rested. Um, and at the end of the day, nobody remembers the score or the yards you throw for. Uh, you know, the three Super Bowl uh, MVPs that he won, I think he's won three. Um, I don't know that he threw for more than 225 yards in any of them. I know he barely threw for 200 in this last Super Bowl. So it's about winning, and – Kyle Trask is is got a ringside seat of the greatest winner at the position that has ever lived. It's up to him to to take advantage of some of those lessons. But he's out there every day. He's out there early. He works his butt off. And this is what he did in high school when he had Derek King in front of him and he didn't start. Um, but when he did get in, he made as many plays as he could make. That got him to the University of Florida where he was buried on the depth chart and he didn't start. And then Felipe Franks got hurt. And he came in, and he was prepared, and he, he ripped it. He killed it. And that's how he got to the NFL. And what they've told him is just do the same thing you've always done. Come in here, learn as much as you can. And when your opportunity comes, sometimes it's fleeting. Sometimes you think, okay, well, now Kyle Trask is going to be the quarterback. However that happens, right, injury, uh, Brady retires, whatever. And you're not going to get maybe, you know, a year. You may not get 10 games. You know, you don't know. You just have to be ready. And right now, Kyle Trask is doing everything he can to be ready and to help that team in that quarterback room. Uh, and that was the plan. He's not surprised by it. No one is surprised by it. You're not going to see him play uh, unless unless there's an injury to Brady and then he moves up the ladder. And, um, you know, that's that's his job. And he's doing his job every day. He's, he's working as a scout squad quarterback when he needs to and learning the best he can. And, and I think I think when he does get his chance, I think people are going to be surprised because he can run this offense. He's a pocket passer. He's not a scrambler. He's not, you know, he, he can play the position a lot like Brady can. And it'll be, you know, I'm anxious to see, not that anxious, but I'm anxious to see what Kyle Trask will be in his career when he gets that chance. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Amar had tweeted us. He said, what's going on in the NFL? It seems in the last couple of weeks, we've had multiple heavy favorites get beaten. Bucks and Rams both giving up long time consuming drives. Is this a new normal with a 17 game season? Sometimes are just going to take teams are just going to take weeks off. Well, I've wondered about that. You know, I don't I don't see teams necessarily holding players back. I do think that if you're injured, though, um, they they're being a little more careful about rushing players back. You know, because it is a 17 game season. I mean, you have to kind of measure. You know, like you know, can he go? Yeah, if it was a playoff game, he could go. But if we put him, you know, it's kind of like the Gronkowski thing, right? They they got him back in the lineup against the Saints because it was a big game. But you know what? He should have never played. He wasn't ready. He had a setback. And they if they'd have waited a week or two, you know, you probably would have had gotten two more starts out of him, you know. And, and of course, he's back now. But I think, I think you have to be smart with a 17-game season. And you say, well, it's one more game. Once a, it's a big deal. 16 games is a long, long season. This is a... You know, this is a marathon. It's all those cliches. You know, it is a lot like NASCAR. It's like we didn't lose a race because we didn't have the fastest car. We lost the race because, you know, we blew a head gasket or, you know, the engine. You know, it, it's not the driver. It's not it's not the crew. It's the damn car wore out, you know. And so you got to be careful, um, you know, depending on who your players are. If you got older players, this is an older team. You know, this is a team that um, brought back 22 guys and. You know, so I think I, I do think that you, you've got to manage that. You know, but look, there's still guys out there playing hurt. Um, I don't, I don't think the Bucks are. You know, I think they're being smart with Antonio Brown uh, with respect to his injury. I, I think they learned from Gronkowski, and and the whole thing is be be playing your best ball after Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving. Brady has said it. You know the reason why the games seem heightened is because you don't have as many of them and the parody, the the NFL got exactly what it wanted in the league, you know, and that everything is geared towards what we're seeing this year. It really is. You know, uh, it's, it's a, it's a parody driven league because the last teams then pick first the next year. Um, You have free agency. So, you know, you can, you saw the Patriots, for example, you know, spent $160 million and, and draft a quarterback and boom, they, you know, they may win the AFC East, like, you know, second year uh, without Brady and, and Belichick, you know, will be back in the playoffs and, you know, let's see how far they go. So it's hard to win. It's hard to win. It's just people don't understand how hard it is to be consistent and win in this league. And I think every week, you know, there's there's a ton of upsets that scratch your head and you go, how did I see that coming? But just remember, you know, the worst team in the NFL every guy they have on there is one of the best 1,670 players in the world or whatever it is, you know, in the world. So they they don't have a guy on their roster that isn't one of the best players in the world, okay? Maybe they got a young quarterback. Maybe it's a new coaching staff. Maybe they don't have as much depth. Maybe they got some injuries. There's a lot of reasons why teams lose. But the worst team in the NFL, we just saw the Texans, right? How the heck did they kick the crap out of the Tennessee Titans? If you're not ready to play, you're going to get beat because those other guys are the best players too. And, you know, 
it, it, the best teams win, but it is in any given Sunday league, and this is why it was created this way, for parity. They would love to have every team 8-8 eight and eight in the final week of the season. I mean, that you know, all the fan bases stay interested, um, and I think that is that, that has come to play, you know, this year. I really do. I think, you know, there, there's not many teams that you can look up and say, well, they have no chance at a postseason right now. All right, Les had tweeted us. Who's the next Gators coach? Well, they have one. As we as we talk right now um, doing this podcast uh, in the morning on Tuesday for Wednesday, I heard last night, I was sitting next to Greg Allman, that there's a, uh, a booking place in Las Vegas that took off the board who the next Florida coach will be, which is indicative of they have their guy. Okay, so it could be announced by the time you listen to this podcast. Steve, you would know this better than me. Who's the guy uh, in Louisiana? Is it Louisiana? Billy Napier. Who's the- Billy Napier. That's the name that I keep hearing. Now, that surprises me. Might be might be a fun- phenomenal coach. Might be the next, you know, who knows? Uh, Nick Saban, for all I know. But I I hear I hear Napier. And, and now when I talked to a friend of mine that I thought might have a shot at this job, um, what he told me is they they're going to get a big name. Napier to me is not a big name. Napier's a guy in the pipeline that's definitely on on you know going to get a a power five job, but I didn't think it would be Florida. Um, so you know I look more towards you know who's the next guy at Atlanta that, or at Alabama that's gone through the rehab program, right? Bill you see all these guys. Yeah, Bill O'Brien is that guy to me to me because you see all these guys get fired from wherever, go, you know, go, go work with Saban uh, for a year. Steve Sarkeesian ends up in Texas. You know, there's the pipeline, right? You kind of go, you, you learn under, uh, under Saban, you work on the staff as a coordinator or whatever, uh, Lane Kiffin, all these guys, and they end up with power five jobs. To me, the next guy is Bill O'Brien. And Bill O'Brien, you know, people forget, like, what he took over. You know, what, that, that burning dumpster fire in Penn State after all that, you know, Joe Paterno stuff and, and Sandusky mostly, um, Jerry Sandusky stuff, you know, the the, the uh, limitations on scholarships, and he just hammered that program. And he managed to, you know, keep it on the rails and then went to Houston. And no matter what you think of the Houston Texans when he was there, you know what he did? He won. He went to the playoffs with like five different quarterbacks. He won every year. Um, and then he became GM. And that was his downfall because he was a bad GM. Uh, there's not many people that can do – both jobs and he proved he could not so to me bill o'brien would be would, would be a name recognition he's again he's come through that alabama you know year of uh internship um actually as their coordinator and and you know how's their quarterback playing right now true freshman right mm-hmm. can he recruit yeah he can recruit can he talk about guys to the about the league yeah he can talk to guys about the league because he's coached in the league he's a head coach of the texans I kind of lean that way a little bit. I don't know why, and I don't know what the Gators think of them, but they've taken they've taken the odds off the board. So I think we're gonna we're gonna have an announcement here, uh, probably after the season, pretty soon. Now Napier was an assistant for both Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney in his career. Well, too. can't do better than that. I mean, again, you know, there, there's a guy that's uh, got that pedigree, right? Um, mm-hmm. Playing coaching under both those guys, and he'll get high recommendations from both. That's the other thing. If you're if you're an athletic director, are you impressed? With a conversation with Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney about a dude that they tell you if they if they tell you he's the next great coach, you know I'm telling you I had a lot of guys on my staff I know what I'm talking about 
and he's worked for both of us, that's the guy you need to hire. How influential would that be to you? Be pretty influential to me. So seems like it's Napier to me as I sit here, but I don't really know. All right, Luis had tweeted us. He said, with Brayton Point out indefinitely and what appears to be an inability to hold leads in the third or win games in regulation, what do you think the Bolts need to do? What are their gaps that need to be filled in the meantime? Well, Steve, since you see them every night, you would know better than me, but I, there's a couple things I noticed. Um, this is when before Point got injured on Saturday, I watched them play. Uh, and that is, you know, this this third period thing, of course, they, they, they fell to a man advantage with a backup goaltender and ended up winning in a shootout on Sunday. But I think what I remember about the Lightning when they were really, really good, okay, and I still think they're very good, um, but it, let's, you can't take the two best offensive players off any hockey team and say you're the same. You just can't. And because of that, I don't think you can play the same. Um, but still, what I remember about the Lightning was if they had a one or two game, uh, goal lead in the third period, it was over. This team was so disciplined on defense. They made teams go 200 feet. It didn't matter. You know what I mean? And they got the best goaltender in the world, and they protected him. And he bailed them out time and time again. Um, I just I didn't see that same closer mentality. You know, they, they, were, they had the Mariano Rivera type. You know, when they got you in the third period, you were done. Um, so I just think that they, they have to focus more on the defensive end. There are things they're not doing well. I, the power play still isn't where it should be. A lot of that has to do now. You don't have Point or Kucherov. I mean, that that's a huge chunk off of that, right? So they're they're sort of working uh, through those things. Um, the penalty kill has been pretty good, I think, of late. Um, but it's just managing the game. You know, just understanding that you know we're not we're not going to score six goals. You know, we're not going to score five goals or four goals. We're going to have to win some games two to one, three to two. And I, I just think they've been sloppy at times. And, I, I, you know, this has been, you know, too many games where you got a one-goal lead and then within not the, not the final minute, within the final 30 seconds, uh, you find yourselves in overtime or giving away a point. That, that, that's the part you got to cut out. Let, let's take the weekend game separately because I, I think there mm-hmm. was, the Saturday and Sunday games were drastically different. Yeah. The Saturday game, even up 3-1, I don't think they were playing very well. And it showed in the third period, and the Devils came out and took it to the Lightning and ended up scoring four goals, including one of those being an empty netter. And that was a bad loss for the Lightning. Yes, and, it was. And, and I was there what, to see it. It's like the third time <laughs> since 2014-15 they entered the third you know, with a two-goal yeah. lead and lost. Yep. It, you know, it doesn't happen very often. On Sunday, they take the, the two-goal lead early in the, the third period. They played the third period very well. Minnesota, who has a knack for six-on-five goals this year, scored both with six-on-five against your backup goalie without Braden Point in your lineup. Uh, and then the Lightning ended up coming back and winning in the shootout. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they played poorly. I think they gave up two six-on-five goals. They gave up two power play goals late, essentially. Um, that happens. I mean, the other team has an extra attacker. I'm not saying it's excusable, and I'm not saying, you know, the Lightning don't have things to work on, but... I think those games were drastically different when you say they can't yeah. hold on to a lead. Um, well, we I, saw one game prior to that, and let mm-hmm. me interrupt. We saw one game prior to that uh, where they had a one-goal lead. Yep. I've seen a couple where they've scored inside of a mm-hmm. minute and, 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 and lose one of them in overtime. Now, you know, I think there's there's several reasons for, for what's going on this year as far as regards to that. Is one, 
one of the lines you would have put out there late in the game to give you energy and win was the Gord Gaudreau Coleman line. You yeah. don't have that line, yep, so you're yep. trying to figure that out. Yes, the kid right. line of Colton, Radish, Kachuk are getting more time and getting even some of that responsibility. Um, Sunday without Braden Point in the line. That's your first game without him in the lineup. And we don't know mm-hmm. how long he's out at this point as we record this. You know, that's a huge adjustment. I think the biggest problem they've had this year is they're getting beat in the faceoff circle. Yeah, And so are. you're not controlling the puck as much, particularly late in games or in those key situations. Right. And so, you know, if you can win those faceoffs late in the game, that makes it a lot harder than the other team. Because even right. if you shoot it down the ice or, you know, whatever, yeah. it still takes 20, 30 seconds. You're, you're defending a lot more than you should be if you could win some more faceoffs. And I think – that's been the biggest issue on the team this year, I think. Uh, I think without Braden Point now and with Kucherov, I think you're going to see a huge focus on defending the puck. I mean, John Cooper always talks about it. it's not what you put in the net, it's what you keep out. I think you're going to see a renewed interest to that and a new dedication to keeping the puck out of the net because you're missing your two most dynamic offensive players. And so the amount of goals you're probably going to score going forward are less. So you better keep the puck out of the net. You know, I, I, there's, I mean, if you look at the playoff team from last year, and and let's just look going forward, you're without right now Point, Kucherov, Johnson, Gord, Gaudreau, Coleman. That's half your forwards. You don't have from last year at this point. Today, uh, you know, Point and Kucherov are coming back. Obviously, that's huge. Yeah. And and so they're. So part of this season is figuring things out. Yeah, it's a puzzle. You know, it really and, is. and they're sitting in third place. They're doing yeah, well. They're fine. They're doing yeah, they're well. Fine. They're right where you need them to be. Yeah, they're. I think they're seventh or eighth in the league in points percentage. Uh, it may yeah. have changed on, on. I didn't look at Monday nights, and we're taping this before Tuesday night's game. So, um, yeah. you know, they're doing okay. Is it as dominant as it was last year's start? No. You know, are, are they the same team as last year? Not even close, and particularly with the injuries now. And right. so, a lot of this is just let's let's get through until we can get those guys back. And, and as we record this, we don't know what Braden Point is that we may have an update on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, we know Cooch is probably out till mid January, late January, if not even a little later, depending on how rehab goes. So, uh, yeah. I, I, over the weekend, I mean, Saturday's game was very disappointing the way they gave it up. Sunday. You gave up two empty nets. You don't like it, but okay, you gave up two power plays late. Essentially, I mean, it wasn't like you're giving up five on five goals there, like like you did on on Saturday. That was a disappointing loss, and I think there's a lot to learn from that one. Yeah, well, they'll figure it out. I mean, they they have a veteran team and and they know how to win. And I think what they're doing now is is going through that process, still getting points, and they'll figure it out. So. All right. Well, we appreciate the questions. We've got uh, probably some we didn't get to. If you have some more mailbag questions, send them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll be out at the Bucks, of course, today to uh, try to see them get ready to prepare for their game Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. Really big game for them on the road where they haven't played well against a Colts team that is surging right now behind an MVP candidate a running back, Jonathan Taylor, from where? Wisconsin. Um, so that'll be a good one this weekend. Almost to Turkey Day, folks. Uh, you know, get ready, get your meal, go to the grocery store, whatever you got to do. Um, uh, this best holiday of the year, we'll talk about that as well. Bar none, in my opinion. So football, family, and uh, and, and lots of food. That's a, that's, a, that's a good combination right there. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.